I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Malgosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of July 7. In the news, the situation in Artsakh becomes extremely grave as Azerbaijan's total blockade continues. Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan says a meeting with Azerbaijan's president will take place in Brussels in the near future. And two Armenian servicemen abducted on Armenian territory by Azerbaijani forces are sentenced to 11 years and 6 months by a court in Sumgait. Since June 15, the Lachin Corridor remains completely blocked. As a result, on July 5, Karabakh authorities tightened restrictions on food consumption, banning restaurants from hosting large dinner parties and post-funeral gatherings. As different products are quickly running out, food prices are drastically increasing. Kurgan Nersesyan, the state minister of Artsakh, warned on July 6 that conditions in Artsakh are indescribably grave for a country that had a sufficient level of self-sustainability and which used to have an uninterrupted connection with Armenia. For more than 20 days, the children, elderly and pregnant women are deprived of the opportunity to use the required amounts of fruits and vegetables for a healthy diet. There are no basic hygiene products, he said. Nersesyan went on to say, we are trying to somehow evenly distribute essential items which we have while our citizens in the regions are completely cut off from the capital and do not have the opportunity of going to hospitals. Farmers are facing the most serious problems. People only have a few hours of electricity supply because the electricity and gas supply from Armenia is halted. Meanwhile, the International Committee for the Red Cross has been the only link between Armenia and Artsakh, and it continues to facilitate and mediate the transfer of patients from Nagorno-Karabakh to the Republic of Armenia. On July 3, 15 more patients were taken to Armenia to receive medical care, while eight people returned to to Artsakh after receiving treatment in Armenia. Dikran Bedrosyan, the chair of Artsakh's Anti-Crisis Council, this is a council created by a presidential decree on April 13, said that in light of the situation in Artsakh, President of Nagorno-Karabakh, Araik Hartunyan sent a letter to the Russian President Vladimir Putin. Although the full content of the letter was not disclosed, Bedrosyan said it described the dire situation in Artsakh. Later on July 6, the foreign minister of Artsakh, Sergei Ghazaryan, said that they expect the Russian peacekeepers to make all efforts to end the blockade within their responsibilities based on the November 9, 2020 agreement. Ghazaryan added that at the moment they do not consider it realistically possible for any other peacekeeping mission to be in Artsakh and are still waiting for a response to the letter sent by Haruchunyan. Ghazaryan also stated that Artsakh did not turn down the U.S. offer to meet with Azerbaijani representatives in a third country. He said that for a meeting to take place, Baku has to show readiness for dialogue. He also mentioned that first the transfer of foods and essential supplies to Artsakh must be restored. Only then will they see that Azerbaijan is changing its approach and is ready for a dialogue. Earlier, senior official in Stepanagert had said that last month, Nagorno-Karabakh's leadership turned down a U.S. offer to meet with Azerbaijani officials in a third country to discuss the Armenian-populated region's integration into Azerbaijan. Last week, Artsakh's president said that Baku is putting forward a number of preconditions for the meeting with Stepanagert, including the disbanding of Artsakh's defense army. Artsakh's foreign minister said that they are regularly receiving offers from different countries and international organizations to organize a Stepanagert-Baku meeting. Discussions in this direction will continue, he said. Well, the foreign minister also released a statement on the massive disinformation campaign launched by Azerbaijan state institutions and media 
aimed at, quote, misleading the international community and creating a pretext for new aggression against Artsakh. The statement said, in particular, by creating and promoting false narratives against the Artsakh Defense Army, the Azerbaijani authorities, in fact, denied the inalienable right of the people of Artsakh to self-defense and seek to deprive them of any means and opportunities to ensure their own safety and security in the face of the constant threats and military provocations of Baku against the civilian population of Artsakh. Artsakh's foreign ministry said Azerbaijan is being, quote, encouraged by the complete impunity and permissiveness and said it is unacceptable that the international community and in particular the Russian Federation, whose peacekeeping forces are stationed there and under whose security guarantees tens of thousands of Artsakh citizens returned to their homeland after the 2020 war, leave Azerbaijan's threats without due attention and response. And amidst all this, on July 3, Artsakh's defense ministry had to again deny another Azerbaijani accusation of shooting by the Armenian side. Baku claimed that Artsakh's defense units opened fire in the Askeran region. On the other hand, Azerbaijani forces continue to violate the ceasefire regime. On June 6, they violated the ceasefire in the town of Marduni in Artsakh by firing at three civilians. These were locksmiths and an electrician who were repairing an artesian well using firearms of different calibers. Repair was halted and the incident was reported to the Russian peacekeeping troops. On July 4, Azerbaijani armed forces violated the ceasefire again in the Shushi and Martakert regions. The Russian peacekeeping troops reported two cases of ceasefire violations and went on to say that they are investigating these facts together with the Azerbaijani and Armenian sides. Similarly, a day earlier, on July 3, the Ministry of Defense of Artsakh reported a violation of the ceasefire by Azerbaijan forces who were using small arms and a 60 millimeter mortar in the Shushi region. Again, the ceasefire violation was reported to the command of the Russian troops. And during the government session on July 6, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan announced that in the near future he will have a meeting with the President of Azerbaijan in Brussels through the mediation of the President of the European Council and hopes to materialize the positive things recorded in Washington. According to the Prime Minister, the peace agreement is not yet ready for signing. He spoke about the blockade, stating that the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh is intensifying day by day. Since Azerbaijani forces shut down the Hakari Bridge on June 15, even the Russian peacekeepers stationed in Nagorno-Karabakh are having difficulty or do not even have the ability to deliver supplies because the Lachin Corridor is blocked completely, said the Prime Minister. Pashinyan also referred to Azerbaijan's statements that there are units of Republic of Armenia's armed forces in Nagorno-Karabakh and reiterated that Armenia does not have any forces in Nagorno-Karabakh. He said that Artsakh's defense army is necessary because of Azerbaijan's daily propaganda and actions. Their undisguised purpose is to subject the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh to genocide and ethnic cleansing, and we see that policy creeping in today, he said. Pashinyan went on to say that Azerbaijan has been carrying out a large-scale counter-propaganda against France for months to prevent other countries from assessing the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh. Armenia, in its turn, thanks France and should take all measures so that more and more countries and international organizations make appropriate assessments regarding the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh, he said. And before we speak about Aliyev's comments about France, to continue with Pashinyan, uh, he also touched upon the topic of the so-called Zangezur Corridor and said that Armenia has not undertaken any written or oral commitments regarding a corridor. Instead, Armenia is in favor of unblocking roads and economic infrastructures. An official decision 
of the Armenian government has been put into circulation, he said, which envisages the establishment of three checkpoints by Armenia on the border with Azerbaijan. Prime Minister also emphasized that all issues should be solved diplomatically. On July 5, Nikol Pashinyan had a phone conversation with Russia's President Vladimir Putin, the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh due to the illegal blockade of the Lachin Corridor and its possible solutions were discussed. The Kremlin said that the phone conversation was initiated by the Armenian side and the leaders of the two countries discussed the provisions of unhindered traffic through the Lachin Corridor. Putin also reaffirmed Russia's readiness to provide practical assistance in the drawing up of the Armenian-Azerbaijani peace treaty. Later in the day, Karabakh President Arei Kartunyan said that Pashinyan had phoned Putin at his request. And this morning, two Armenian servicemen who were abducted on Armenian territory in Sunik region's Shikahoyr village, Harutyun Hovagimian and Garen Ghazarian, were sentenced to 11 years and six months in prison by the Sumgait Court of Serious Crimes in Azerbaijan. The prosecution had requested a sentence of 12 years. The Armenian servicemen were found guilty of a number of crimes, including attempted sabotage, preparing a terrorist attack in Azerbaijan and were accused of violating Azerbaijan's state border. Well, according to the Armenian side, an Azerbaijani armed group had crossed into Armenian uh, territory on May 26 and kidnapped the two servicemen, Ardak Zeynalian, who is the representative of the interests of Armenian prisoners at the European Court of Human Rights, spoke to Azadutun saying that Baku kidnaps Armenian servicemen through subversive infiltrations, accuses them of crimes, and then starts bargaining in the negotiation process. He went on to say that their punishments are just to show that there is some legal basis for keeping them in prison. It is clear that they are just being kept as hostages, according to him. He also added that he is certain that Azerbaijan will now try to exchange its two servicemen in prison in Armenia, Bagirov and Akhundov, convicted of murder with the two Armenian servicemen they have. Well, according to Zainalian, the repatriation of the other 33 Armenian prisoners being held in prisons in Baku after the 44-day war is being delayed, even after Baku repealed the sentences 10 of the POWs had received by the Baku Court of Cassation. Representatives of the International Committee of the Red Cross visited the two Armenian servicemen. The parents of the servicemen have not yet had the opportunity to have a phone or video call with them. As a reminder, following the trilateral meeting between Aliyev Pashinyan and President of the European Council Charles Michel in Brussels on May 14, Michel had stated an understanding on humanitarian issues had been reached and that detainees would be released in the coming weeks and the need to safeguard the mutual understanding that soldiers who have simply gotten lost and crossed to the other side would continue to be released through a speedy procedure. Well, not speedy enough. Baku has had the chance to convict these two servicemen. And last week, the Armenian Foreign Ministry stated that Armenia and Azerbaijan continue to disagree on practical modalities limiting their border and organizing a dialogue between Baku and Nagorno-Karabakh's leadership after their last round of negotiations mediated by the U.S. ended on June 29. The Foreign Ministry said that while they agreed on more articles of Armenian-Azerbaijani peace treaty, but it did not iron out their differences on some key issues. Ministry spokeswoman Ani Badalian said that those issues include border delimitation, troop disengagement, and how to, quote, properly address the rights and security of the Nagorno-Karabakh people under an international mechanism. Yerevan says that such a mechanism is essential to protect Karabakh's ethnic Armenian population. 
Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Jehum Bayramov made clear last week that Baku will not agree to any special security arrangements for the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh. Also, the Armenian side wants to use 1975 Soviet maps as uh, the basis for delimiting the long border. Baku has opposed the idea so far. Earlier this month, the Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry emphasized that Azerbaijan has demarcated its border with other neighboring states on the basis of analysis and examination of legally binding documents rather than any specifically chosen maps. On July 5, Ilham Aliyev delivered a speech at the Non-Aligned Movement a meeting that was taking place in Baku, which was also attended by the heads of the foreign ministries of Turkey and Iran. He stated that if Armenia is really interested in achieving the long-awaited peace in the region, it should completely withdraw its armed forces from Karabakh. Although Armenia had to recognize Karabakh as part of Azerbaijan, there are still remnants of Armenian armed forces in the territory of Azerbaijan where Russian peacekeepers are temporarily stationed, Aliyev said, warning that military and paramilitary formations should be disarmed. Aliyev complained that Armenia is obstructing the opening of the so-called Zankezur Corridor. However, according to the Azerbaijani president, Yerevan undertook this obligation with the November 9, 2020 statement, so it must implement it. And this is blatantly false, as we know, but... Um, <laughs> A lot of things that he says are... Wait, a lot of these declarations or uh, statements were going in full circles. It's been already two years. The Armenian foreign ministry responded to Aliyev's proclamation, saying Azerbaijan is once again using the platform of the non-aligned movement and its presidency for aggressive and anti-Armenian propaganda, including by distorting the causes and essence of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Armenian foreign ministry spokesperson Ani Badalyan tweeted this on July 5. This violates both the principles of the movement and international law and the decisions of international courts, she added. About 120 countries are members of this non-aligned movement. It was formed during the Cold War, uh, the main goal uh, being not to join military alliances, NATO or the Warsaw Pact, uh, as it was created during the Soviet era. In the last decade, Azerbaijan has been conducting active diplomacy and propaganda in that organization and has also chaired it. On July 6, Armenia's human rights defender, Anahit Manasian, stated that the public narrative in Azerbaijan is full of Armenophobia. She cited a recent report by her office quoting and describing the speeches by Azerbaijani government officials, lawmakers, including the president, Given the status of those who make anti-Armenian statements, it is obvious that Armenophobia is state-sponsored in Azerbaijan, Manasian said, adding that it is impossible to find solutions guaranteeing human rights in given conditions. She said that the reports of her office are regularly provided to international partners and that her office is conducting daily monitoring of the Azerbaijani press regarding their policy of Armenophobia. The reports also include human rights violations committed because of the illegal Azerbaijani military presence on Armenian territory. Well, everything is interconnected in our news today, Maria, and it's difficult to explain how one connects to the other. But this whole talk of Armenians having military presence in Artsakh also kind of links to this following story. On July 1, the bodies of two servicemen, Yervant Tadevosian and Samvel Torosian, who were killed following an Azerbaijani attack on June 28 in Artsakh, were finally transferred to Armenia by the International Committee of the Red Cross in order to be buried in Yerabalur. This is 
the military cemetery in accordance with the wishes of their parents. Artsakh's human rights defender Geram Stepanian confirmed this report. Azerbaijan continues to falsely claim that the dead servicemen were representatives of Armenia's armed forces, preparing the ground for new attacks. The necessary facts and documents have been collected by the Artsakh Human Rights Office and they were already published, once again proving the falseness and fabrication of Azerbaijani claims. And in order to prove that the servicemen were from Artsakh, the human rights defender posted their birth certificates uh, online. And as a reminder, on June 28, four soldiers on the Armenian side were killed as a result of an Azerbaijani attack, among them Samvel Torosian and Yervan Tadevosian, both 20. Azerbaijan forbade their bodies to be transferred to Armenia. Baku claimed that the servicemen were from Armenia's armed forces. Yerisha Giragosian, Armenia's representative on international legal matters, reported today that the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, reaffirmed the provisional measure indicated in its order of February 22, 2023, finding that there is no need for modification of it. Uh, this is a direct quote. Azerbaijan shall take all measures at its disposal to ensure unimpeded movement of persons, vehicles, and cargo along the Lachin Corridor in both directions. And this came after Armenia presented additional evidence on July 6 to ICJ on the concrete barrier that Azerbaijani forces placed on the Hakari Bridge and the checkpoint on the Lachin Corridor. However, Azerbaijan has been ignoring the ICJ order thus far, and not only ignoring, is placing concrete <laughs> barriers on the road. Right. Well, French Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna, in a phone call with her Armenian counterpart, Arat Mirzoyan, said that France is committed to a just and internationally law-abiding peace. I share with Arat Mirzoyan France's support to Armenia's genuine efforts for negotiated peace with Azerbaijan while protecting the rights of Armenians living in Nagorno-Karabakh, Colonna said. In a press release, Armenia's foreign ministry said that the urgency of international efforts to overcome the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh resulting from the illegal blockade of the Corridor and to prevent Azerbaijan's further actions aimed at ethnic cleansing was emphasized. This was during that telephone call. And Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev claimed that France supports Armenians in Karabakh. France, under the guise of a false defender of human rights and international law, continues to interfere in the internal affairs of other countries, Aliyev stated during a speech at the above-mentioned non-aligned movement held in Baku on July 5. Aliyev accused France of colonial policy, expressing his belief that the steps taken by Paris were doomed to failure. Unfortunately, France is trying to impose the same vicious practice in the South Caucasus, supporting Armenians in the Gharapagh region of Azerbaijan and using geopolitical competition, foreign military presence, and the colonial policy of Orientalism, Aliyev said. France uh, has not responded to these accusations. Well, it's not just France who's concerned. Russia is very concerned about the ceasefire violations and the blockade of the Lachin Corridor, said Maria Zakharova, the spokesperson of the Russian Foreign Ministry. She stated that the humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh is getting worse, and without the transfer of essential supplies to Artsakh, its population will be left with no food and no essential medicine. Zakharova called on Azerbaijan to lift the blockade and ensure free movement through the Lachin Corridor to the question of whether Russian peacekeepers will protect the people of Artsakh in case of a possible escalation. Zakharova responded that the actions of the Russian peacekeepers will correspond to the development of the situation, quote, on the ground. She also added that Igor Khovayev, the special representative of the Russian foreign ministry, will visit the region in the near future. And I'm, I'm like curious to see if next week Aliyev will accuse Russia of taking sides. It might. 
Georgia's Prime Minister Irakli Garibashvili ruled out the possibility of reopening the Abkhazian Railroad. In a parliament speech on June 30, he denied allegations by the opposition that Tbilisi's having secret talks with Moscow about this. Garibashvili made reassurances that there are no such talks and that the railroad uh, will only open when Georgia is united again. This conversation about the railroad started after Russia's foreign ministry spokesperson, Maria Zakharova, stated that Russia is making efforts to restore the Abkhazian Railroad to ensure connection between Armenia and Russia. This was last week. On July 6, Iran's foreign minister and Azerbaijani president, Ilham Aliyev, discussed the issues of roads connecting Nakhichevan to Azerbaijan. Nakhichevan is the exclave of Azerbaijan. The Iranian foreign minister emphasized that um, Aliyev had said that unblocking transportation will not impede the historical communication links between Iran and Armenia. Well, he also spoke about another road connecting Azerbaijan with Nakhichevan to the territory of Iran, which he called the Arax Corridor. Tehran and Baku signed a memorandum on the road project back in March of 2022. The Iranian foreign minister hoped that the road would be put into operation within a year. Well, the foreign minister of Iran also posted on Twitter about the meeting with uh, Azerbaijan's president. Uh, he tweeted, a constructive, long and effective meeting with the honorable president of Azerbaijan took place in Baku. This is believed to open a new page in the friendly and brotherly relations between the two neighbors. Well, since March, we have known about this new road through Iran. However, talks about Zangezur corridor continue, so it's not necessarily one will replace the other, or we see clearly that uh, Azerbaijan has a direct connection to uh, Nakhichevan, mm-hmm. and yet it wants uh, another Zangezur one. Zangezur corridor. <laughs> On July 4, the 2023 OSE Parliamentary Assembly adopted a document called the Vancouver Declaration, which calls on Azerbaijan to withdraw its armed forces from the sovereign territory of Armenia to ensure the unhindered passage of people and goods through the Lachin Corridor in accordance with the decision of the International Court of Justice on February 22, and also calls on the international community to form a positive agenda in order to guarantee the rights and security of Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh. The declaration calls for the release of all detained persons and the determination of the fate of all persons who disappeared during the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict to protect the cultural heritage of the region and to support the demining process. The document encourages Armenia and Azerbaijan to continue negotiations towards the signing of a comprehensive peace agreement based on the recognition of each other's territorial integrity and welcomes the diplomatic efforts of the U.S. and EU, which contribute to building dialogue and mutual trust between Armenia and Azerbaijan. On June 5, the Nagorno-Karabakh leadership criticized U.S. Ambassador to Armenia, Kristina Kavien, uh, for stating that Karabakh Armenians could live safely under Azerbaijani rule. Well, on June 3, the U.S. Ambassador Kavien had an interview on Armenian public television where she said that the U.S. considers it possible for the population of Nagorno-Karabakh to be safe and secure within the territory of Azerbaijan. In response to this, the uh, Foreign Ministry of Nagorno-Karabakh said in a statement that although Artsakh acknowledges the important role that the U.S. has played in the peace process, the approaches of the mediator should not prejudice the outcome of the negotiations. The statement went on to say that with the continuous ethnic cleansing carried out by Azerbaijan against the Armenians of Artsakh, such rhetoric can only appease the aggressor. On July 6, the U.S. ambassador, when asked to clarify the U.S. position concerning the future of Nagorno-Karabakh by Armen Press, stated that the United States supports an agreement that is durable, sustainable, and lays the foundations for peace. Thank <laughs> you.
Queen went on to say that the question of security and the rights of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh is central to the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. On July 6, Secretary of the Security Council of Armenia, Armin Grigorian, met Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, to American President Joe Biden in the White House. According to Grigorian, the parties discussed the security situation in the region and its challenges. They also discussed questions of bilateral interests, such as possible cooperation in energy, in the economy, and democracy. The European Union has refused to provide Armenia with military aid from a special fund designed to boost EU partners' defense capacity. Parliament Speaker Alain Simonian said on July 4, during an interview with Radio Liberty, Simonian spoke about the issue when he met with Poland's President Andrzej Duda during a visit to Warsaw. He told Duda that the Armenian government had requested technical assistance from the European Peace Facility, which the EU created in 2021 to help developing countries buy military equipment. Unfortunately, Armenia's request was rejected on grounds of the EU's mediation efforts in the improvement of relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan, as well as the issue of conflict sensitivity, said Simonian. Ukraine is the main beneficiary of EPF, having received 4.6 billion euros, that's 5 billion U.S. dollars in military aid from the EU funds since being invaded by Russia in February 2022. As of June 26, EU countries agreed to increase the maximum size of the fund by 3.5 billion euros. This makes it 12 billion euros now. As well as criticizing the EU's refusal to provide such aid, Simonian praised the 27-nation bloc for deploying 100 uh, monitors along Armenia's volatile border with Azerbaijan earlier this year. Russia has been very critical, as we know, of the deployment, saying that it is part of the West's efforts to drive Moscow out of the South Caucasus. On July 5, Armenia agreed Cyprus trilateral defense consultations were held in Cyprus. A number of security and cooperation issues were discussed. The delegation from Armenia was headed by Levon Ayvazian. He's the head of the policy and international cooperation of the Ministry of Defense. The parties reaffirmed readiness to take joint steps to strengthen the three countries' defensibility and military security. An annual program of trilateral military cooperation activities was signed. And the Eurasian Development Bank will provide a loan of $26 million to construct a new power unit for Hrazdan Thermal Power Plant in Armenia. EDB signed the contract with the Hrazdan Energy Solutions, a company member of the Tashish Group. The produced electricity will be for Armenia's domestic needs with a possibility for export. The station is planned to begin operations in mid-2024. And the Armenian government has raised pensions from 31,600 dirhams to 36,000 dirhams a month. Pashinyan wrote on his Facebook page that only 12% of pensioners, about 73,000 people, receive the minimum pension in Armenia. And during a cabinet meeting, the Minister of Labor and Social Affairs said that the average monthly pension in Armenia would eventually reach 50,000 dirhams sometime in the future. And that's just over about $120 U.S. That's the kind of week it's been here in Armenia and Artsakh. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend, and we'll be back again next week. <laughs>